What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. Man, I am very excited. We got a lot to talk about today, a whole lot to talk about. In fact, I have so much I want to talk about today, I'm going to force myself to keep it short. But the topic of discussion today, we're going to be talking about trust. This topic, I'm realizing, is so overarchingly... uh, It's crucial to so many different elements of business, life, relationships that as I continue to think about it and as I continue to to discover another category that it applies to, I'm even thinking like maybe I need to do like a sub-series on just trust alone. I I don't even know. But we're going to be talking today about management. We're going to be talking about your relationships. We're going to be talking about marketing, sales, especially digital marketing today. A lot to cover, a lot to get into. And I think we'll just, we'll talk about those things in reverse order because for me, when I think about trust, it's it's a, it's a topic of conversation that I use often. And it's one of those things where you talk in your field or you talk in your industry so much about something that you forget that it doesn't really always make sense to someone else. A good example of this would be like when I talk about culture. And so when I'm talking to business owners about culture, I'll say something like, well, man, it sounds like you have a really toxic culture. It sounds like you don't have a very productive culture or not a very high profit culture. I use expressions like that. And sometimes I have people who who right off the bat, they know exactly what I'm talking about. They're like, oh, yeah, you're totally right. Yep. We need to fix that. We need to work on that. Whatever. Other times I realize that what I'm saying in my mind makes total sense, but the other person is like, what the heck are you talking about? It'd be a good way to think about this would be when I first started my business, I met a guy who was a copywriter and I'm thinking like, what the heck's a copywriter? Is this like a typewriter? I mean, is this, is this, what does this person do? I mean, are they writing like things like in magazines? Like, like what is this? And I found out very quickly, this is the person who actually will uh, write the the copy or will write the text for an ad. And so their job is to create that paragraph, that ad that you know attracts you and gets your attention and makes you think about buying something from them. And so I'm realizing the same thing is true for me in my own business. You know, I throw a lot of these management words around or a lot of these leadership words around and I Sometimes I have to back up and realize, okay, this isn't so obvious uh, to people who are not in this industry. Well, trust is something that I don't think I really need to do that with. I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a common phrase, and yet it is a phrase that has a depth to it where when people do not trust you or where there's a lack of trust, there's quite a few problems that can be traced back to that lack of trust. A really great example would be like the employee who quits and quits uh, glamorously. This is the person who quits in a way that, you know, they're telling you have some people who they quit very quietly. And then you have other people who, when they quit, they tell everyone why they quit. They complain about the boss. They uh, or maybe even maybe even worse than this is the employee who doesn't quit. It's the employee who stays, but lets everyone know how miserable they are. Typically, when I get into that situation with with an owner or with a boss, we get around to this topic of trust, and I say, "Okay, this employee clearly does not trust you." And they, and, and a lot of times with the owners that I work with, the owners that I talk to, even they don't understand what I'm getting at, and so they may say, "Like, no, 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 the issue isn't trust. The issue is 
uh, I didn't approve their vacation time or I didn't, you know, um, you know, I, I said I was going to give them a promotion. And this, this is an actual conversation someone had with me the other day. I was going to give them a promotion and then I realized we didn't have it in our budget. So we pushed the promotion back six months. And all of these things are annoyances and they're frustrating to the employee. But really what they do is they break trust with the employee. And more often than not, what I've realized is that people, whenever they're frustrated at work, it's typically because there's a lack of trust there. Here's another way to think about it. Think about a time you've been frustrated by a boss who maybe wasn't giving you all the information or you weren't really clear on where the company was headed or you weren't really sure on uh, why, you know, how your work, this specific task is important, or maybe you're just totally out of the loop. Well, if your boss tells you to do something and you don't understand why, when there's a lack of trust, it can be very frustrating. When there is trust, it's a lot easier to do that work or do that task and not feel like uh, your boss is holding something over you or keeping you out of the loop on purpose or they just don't want to tell me, yada, yada. And let me, let me actually even just break this down even more, especially in terms of like the marketing that I've been running into for like a digital marketing perspective. Because this, this concept is related to so many different aspects of your life, personal life, business, whatever. And so let me just tell it, tell it to you through my own perspective of what I've been dealing with with my business. So I have two, two you can imagine two like branching paths for, for my business. I have a uh, what I call my local business and then I have my online business. And the local business is is it's companies that are local to me and there's tons of entrepreneurs here. There's tons of small business owners here. It's really... Northwest Arkansas is a, and if you're not familiar with this area, it's where Walmart's based, it's where Tyson's based, it's where JB Hunt's based. I mean, you got three fortunes right there who are right here. And then you have all these other companies that work with those companies who are also located here. And so there's a lot of money in this economy here, a lot of growth. Uh, People always throw random statistics out every day of like the number of people who move here daily. And so the city, the, the area itself is growing. And, and the reason we call it Northwest Arkansas is it's, it's like the name for this region because these businesses are through all of these, these towns that are connected. So like typically someone wouldn't say, oh, I'm from Rogers or I'm from Bentonville or I'm from Fayetteville. Now to each other, we might say that just to get an idea of where we live. But to a lot of people outside of this area, we would say, oh, I'm from Northwest Arkansas or I live uh, or I might say I live in Fayetteville, which is part of Northwest Arkansas. And so we're part of this really great community here. And so I have my local business owners who I'm selling to, connecting to, trying to provide services to. So that's one path to my business. And that business moves, uh, frankly, it moves at a much slower pace than my online business uh, there's a lot of decision making that happens. There's a, there's a length of decision time. Well, online, which is my other side of my business, the online part of my business, it's a much quicker. It's much quicker than my local business, and the reason it's much quicker is because uh, people who buy from me online are are much more aggressive, and it kind of makes sense if you're thinking about like getting coaching for your business. For someone to go online rather than someone locally, that's that's usually someone who has a sense of urgency about them to get something provided for their business. And so 
This is someone who uh, they're typically, when they buy from me, they, they already kind of know they need coaching. They already know they need help in a certain area. And so what, what would be like a six month client in person often can be something like six weeks online, or at least that's, that's the idea at least. And so I haven't had nearly enough clients to, to prove that. That's just what's, what seems to be the case. Well, what's really interesting is is locally, I feel a lot of energy. I feel a lot of momentum. Online, I feel like I am failing miserably. <laughs> and and online, though, is how, how I'll eventually scale my business. And so I can't just say, I'm not going to pay attention to online. I'm only going to do local because I'm limited by my own time and space. And so I don't own an office building. I operate out of my own house. Uh, I'm limited by really the number of coffee shops that I can go to in a week. Whereas online, it's much easier for us to get on a Zoom call. I can get multiple people in. In fact, uh, and, and it's even funny how some of my local business I'm transferring online. Uh, next month, we're going to be doing a workshop for a local business owner who she's trying to get more customers. And we're going to do all that online. And so, Because I was thinking about... Where am I going to find a place locally that's free? Because I, I don't want to charge the people coming to that. Uh, I don't want to charge them for the space. And so, and eventually I might do something like that. But I was thinking, what's somewhere locally that we could meet for a couple hours that would be free and that would have the ability for us to look at her website, to look at her value offer, to throw up some diagrams, to be able to, you know, write some thoughts and notes on like chart paper and share it with the group. And, and something that would be, that would fit around 10 to 20 people. And I was kind of racking my brain over and I thought, you know what, this is kind of silly. I should just do a zoom call because you can share everyone's video. Uh, It's really easy to communicate with a large group of people. And so even with my local business, I have some situations where I'm transferring people online because it's just much easier. And again, when we talk about scale, and if you're not familiar with that term scale, we're talking about when you have a model that works, now how do we exponentially grow it, right? And this concept made a lot of sense to me because my previous company, its business model was built on uh, in-person coaching and in-person facilitation. And so an executive team might bring you in to facilitate a conversation on strategy. So you're not the one who's necessarily like pulling the trigger on strategy, but you're asking the questions and you're, you're in, in some cases, you're you're holding people's feet to the fire to get them to a productive outcome. And so that's kind of your role as a facilitator. Well, I was talking with someone at that company about, well, how can we get, and we were operating, I think this time we were, we were close to $2 million in revenue. And I said, how do we get to $10 million in revenue? And, and talking to this guy, he said, you know, it'll really never happen. And I said, well, why couldn't it ever happen? And he said, because, and this is a very common concept in business, because our model is built off of in-person delivery, the only way we could get to $10 million in revenue is if, A, we charged more, uh, B, we brought on more staff to deliver, or C, we found an opportunity to make money while we sleep. And so for A, we were already charging quite a bit. I mean, our rates in some cases were, were fairly large, uh, so didn't really want to do that. Uh, we didn't want to have to hire more staff because we had a pretty high standard for the caliber of people we hired. And, and also we just weren't really looking to grow in that way. And then, and then three, making money in our sleep. This is what we mean by scaling. It's, it's how do I find ways to increase my revenue 
without me being tied directly to the financial outcome, right? And so you see this a lot with coaches who uh, maybe they will, um, so really easy way to understand this is maybe you have the one-on-one coaching, but long-term you grow that to uh, maybe group coaching or something like that. Uh, scale is a massive, it's a massive focus for, uh, of attention for software company, companies who are thinking of how do we grow our user base in a way that we don't have to grow our costs, uh, like server space, server capacity. And so whenever we, whenever we talk about um, going from like 5 million to 10 million or 10 million to 30 million or, or what have you, it's all a question of scale. So, uh, oh, oh yeah. So I'm, I'm moving some things over to online because it's, it's a, it has much, it has a much easier transition of scale for where I want to take this business for the impact I want to make. You know, cause if you think about it, if I coach one person a week, that is 52 coachings in a, in a year, that's 52 conversations that can benefit someone positively. Well, if I could do a group coaching of 10 per week, that is 520 people per year. And so it's a multiplication of, of times 10, right? And so I'm somebody who, and if you know me in person, you know this is true. I'm so driven by the impact, by the achievement. I want people to sincerely feel like they've been impacted in a positive way. That 52 is not enough for me, right? I was talking to a guy today who serves families in Northwest Arkansas. And he said, you know what? We I want to get to 500, get to 500 families. And this isn't like, you know, a ribbon that you put, uh, you know, on the wall or, or a plaque you put on your desk. It's, it's, there are people out there who are so driven by the impact that they want to grow that as much as they can. And I'm 31 years old and I'd like to be here for another 50 years. And so when everything is said and done and I die, I, I would hope that uh, I can say that, man, I made an impact. And, and then also me, uh, myself as, as a Christian, I hope that when I die and I go to heaven, that, that God would say, man, yeah, you made a great impact. You made a difference. That's what matters. So having said all this, what has been my problem as of late is I mentioned how locally I'm feeling a lot of energy. When I get in the room with someone, it is generally not hard for me to develop a rapport with them, to have camaraderie with them. It's really not hard to build momentum with that person because one, I'm a very authentic person. And so when I meet someone in person, I'm not trying to give a sales script uh, and and not that there aren't not that there aren't conversations in person where it's like uh, I totally flubbed that conversation. It was awkward. It was weird. You know what they wanted from me and what I wanted from them were two totally different things. And not that that doesn't happen. I mean, I definitely have conversations where I'm like, "Yikes! I'm never calling that person again," and they will never want to hear from me again. But for the most part, I mean, I think about uh, my first year in sales. Uh, did over 200 grand in sales, zero sales experience. You know, I'd never taken a sales course. I had never done anything like that. And essentially what I was doing was I was selling consultative services. Hey, we can come in, we can work with your team, we can do this for you, we can do a team day, uh, let's do yada, yada, yada. And so I was, I did around $200,000 in sales without any sales experience. And it's not because I'm a phenomenal salesperson, it's because I just so happened to encounter people who really appreciated my authenticity. And so in person, it's very easy for me to build trust with people. Uh, I, or at least I think so. <laughs> it seems to have worked for me so far where people tend to 
trust me. Uh, and I try to, I try to steward that with diligence. I try to steward that with, with, uh, with a very caring attitude. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to give someone a reason to mistrust me online. I have not been able to do the same thing. And, and it's, it's, I've realized that digital marketing is something that's so challenging for me. I have been spending six months trying to make this, get this momentum developing. And it's been like astronomically more difficult than I thought because I, I, and a part of it's ego too, right? Like I, I locally, I, I get into a meeting with someone, I feel very confident, I feel confident about making the sale to them. I put the contract in front of them. This is what it's going to cost. And I feel, I just, I feel very comfortable with that conversation. Online, I'm like, good Lord, why can I not seem to get any kind of consistency online or get any interest from people? And I had a, I was on the phone with a marketer uh, a few days ago. Really great guy. Someone who I, who I coincidentally, I trust very much. And we were talking together and, uh, you know, I had, I had shown him some things that had worked for me. I said, this is working pretty well. This is not working pretty well. Uh, help me out. And we were kind of just talking through some ideas. And he said, you know, Blake, I, I think I know what your problem is. And we were looking through some ads that I was running. And I run some ads on Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, whatever. And he said, I, I think I know what your problem is. And I said, okay, what's the problem? And he said, you're your prospective buyers do not trust you. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Because at first I was like, well, how can they not trust me? I mean, I'm a, I'm a very trustworthy person, right? I mean, I'm not like this, this sleazeball who's like, you know, because a lot of times, especially on, on, in, in the digital marketing world, especially when we're talking about selling to business owners, so B2B, you have a lot of people who, especially to like the new business owner or like the young entrepreneur, they'll take, and I've mentioned this like a thousand times, but they'll they'll put themselves in front of a fancy car, they'll put themselves in front of like a stack of money or like a really nice restaurant, and they'll say, you know, I'm super successful. If you want to be successful too, uh, come get my marketing services, what have you. And so uh, I was thinking, I, I at least don't do that. So people should be coming to me directly, right? And and he said, you know, um, he said the problem with with your ads and my ads, the way I was running it was, it was an ad that took people to a page to buy. And in hindsight, this is total common sense, right? And it's funny how, it's funny how you can give advice to other business owners. And yet for your own business, it's like, duh, like, why would I, why would I not apply that same concept to myself? And so it was a ad that takes people to buy directly from me. And it's a, it's a four figure purchase. So it's not like, you know, throwing up a hundred bucks. I mean, we're, we're talking a four figure uh, thousands of dollars purchase from me. And he said, Blake, the issue with your ad, it's like, it's like, we're just getting to know each other, right? It's, it's, we're just getting to know each other. And I've just said my name and you've just said your name. And now you're making a move to kiss me. Like, it's like, it's, it's like, it's at, it's at the end of the date, you're dropping me off and you're trying to kiss me. That's what it feels like is I literally just met you and you want to take me out on a date. Like, like, whoa, way too fast, way too much. And he said, you know, people, they buy emotionally, but they buy from people who they perceive are trustworthy. And I thought this was a genius concept. I had only really thought about trust in the, in the concept of management, but it's absolutely true for marketing as well. And I think about some of my most, and as I've, as I've 
continue to break down this concept in my mind and just really think about it. I've mentioned a few times about this concept of 1,000 screaming fans, or uh, Seth Godin talks about it from uh, the concept of building your tribe. Uh, Kelly, something Kelly, uh, is the guy who, maybe John, I don't know his name. This guy, he wrote the article in like 09 or 2010 that talked about all you need is a thousand screaming fans. And so to be a multimillionaire, uh, to make a massive impact, to have a successful business, focus on building your tribe of 1,000 people. You don't need, and especially true for like a software company, you don't need tens of millions of users. You need a thousand customers who are raving, screaming fans. And it doesn't mean that these are the only people who buy from you, but you know, one great referral, one happy customer will bring you 10 times more customers just on their own volition than someone who you gave mediocre service to. Because that's the person who, whenever they meet someone, I mean, it's, it's part of your marketing reach. Whenever they meet someone who's, who needs your services, they're the ones who say, oh, I know a guy or, oh, I know a person who could help do that for you or, oh, you got to buy from so-and-so. It's kind of like it's kind of like the Amazon con- concept on crack. It's like everyone talks about two-day shipping and they're like, oh, I could never not do two-day shipping. And so, you know, Amazon's marketing is working for them because they have this tribe that's obviously much bigger than a thousand people. It's several thousands higher than that. And it's making them very profitable. Well, as I've been thinking about this concept of trust, I was thinking, you know, the reason the thousand screaming fans concept works is because there's so much implied trust there. You have a thousand customers who trust you so deeply that whatever you say needs to happen for their business uh, or whatever you offer to them, these are the people who will buy everything from you. It's in fact, the marketer I was talking about, he was mentioning there's a person that he follows who is also a marketer, but like a marketing guru. And this person is uh, just incredibly successful in his craft. And he said, man, I will buy everything I can from that person. And I was thinking to myself, why? And it's like, oh, it's because he trusts him. And so what I've been thinking about now then is how do I communicate trust in a digital space? Because whereas before I would rely on the nonverbal, I would rely on my own energy, I'd rely on my own authenticity, now I'm restricted to an ad, right? I'm restricted to this block of text. Uh, or maybe it's, it's I'm, I need to, um, maybe I need to find a way to communicate it in a video form. I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. Uh, the video part actually makes a lot of sense because I think I've heard that Videos convert like 60% better than uh, in-text ads. I don't know. The point that I'm getting across is that if you want to grow your business, you have to build it on trust. It builds on a foundation of trust. And it's also why customer service is so important. Because really, when we talk about customer service, we're not, we're not really talking about customer service. We're talking about the commitment we have to trust with that customer. When someone has an incredible experience with us, that trust factor just totally skyrockets. When we have a bad experience with them, that trust factor plummets and they mistrust us. It's like, think about, think about a friend in your life who, you know, they, uh, I don't know, they borrow your car. And so you trust them to bring your baby back in one piece and you get the car back and there's a dent in the car or, you know, they have soda cans in the car or, you know, it's it's like the things that make you go, man, I will never trust you with that again. People feel the same way about their money and about their time. 
And so in order to have these productive relationships, in order to have a successful business, it's built on trust. What's also really interesting about trust is that when high trust is present, it's what causes people to, and I call this uh, resiliency, it's what causes people to be resilient to mistakes that you make. Think about, think about, and if you're a business owner, think about the best customer you have today. And I don't even mean like someone who contributes the most to your revenue. I mean someone who's maybe the easiest to work with, uh, you know, just just ideal customer. And if you're not a business owner, think about just just someone who's like the best friend in your life. Well, when that person makes a mistake. So as a company, you, uh, let's say you're shipping a product and you ship the wrong product to the customer or your best friend makes a mistake, or let's talk about management. Let's say the boss blows it because all bosses, you know, we're fallible, right? And so as a boss, you make a mistake and it hurts the employee in some way. You know, it's some kind of mistake that, that, causes harm to their financial well-being, maybe just like their access to resources. It, it causes a real angst or a pain point in their life. In a high-trust environment, people are incredibly resilient to mistakes that you make. On the flip side, in a low-trust environment, there is also what we call low-resiliency, it's people's willingness to continue to work with you even when you make mistakes. So going back to the boss you do not trust, well, when they make a mistake, a person with low resiliency says things like, well, of course, you know, and they, and they start to make like character attributions to this person. Well, of course, they, you know, they, they're always looking out for themselves. Well, of course, they never think about me or, you know, or maybe even like worse, they quit or they move on, right? You know, in a sales role, it's, oh, I'll never work with that company again. Oh, I'll never buy from Blake again. You know, from a friendship role, it's like, man, I'm cutting that person out of my life. I don't even want to be around you anymore. And so it's, and I think when you understand this concept, it takes a lot of the pressure off of being perfect, you know, because we are so fallible and especially like, I think, and this is even like beyond a personal level, when you're like managing a company that's worth like millions of dollars and you start to feel the real angst and the, the real burden of people are responsible, or excuse me, I'm responsible for people's like mortgages based on the decisions I make. You know, when you start living in that, that, that uh, real anxiety and stress of how do I take care of this company and the people that we serve, I think what can happen sometimes is an owner will think I need to go be perfect or I need to always be improving my craft to prevent mistakes. And that's, that's, that's absolutely true, right? I mean, I'm, you know, obviously I live in a business where we're always trying to advance. We're always trying to move forward. We're always trying to help people become better. And so there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that there will never be a point where you pat yourself on the back and say, whew, I've made it. I am the, I am that perfect leader. You know, there will never there will never be a moment that that happens that you say, "Man, I'm a genius of a business owner." And I always loved I heard a, a clip from Tony Robbins where he was talking about how someone came up to him and said, "Tony, and if you don't know Tony Robbins, he's um he's kind of a cliché character now, but he is a world-acclaimed life coach, uh, life coach, business coach, professional encourager, whatever you want to call it." 
And and I say it's kind of cliched now because uh, there's so much positive momentum about him. And he's been in the industry for so long that pretty much everyone knows who this guy is. And he was telling a story about someone who came up to him and said, Tony, in five years, I'm going to be where you are today. And he was talking about the, the question he was being asked was like, are you threatened by people who could come into your space and challenge what you offer? You know, are you, are you threatened by potential competitors, especially these people who are maybe younger than you, who are very hungry to make the same impact that you're making? And he said, no, absolutely not. Why would I be threatened by that? And he said, well, wouldn't it bother you if someone five years from now is where you are today? And he said, no, because, you know, if they are if five years from now, they're where I am today, I'm going to say great job, but then I'm not going to be threatened because I'm going to be five years farther in my own career that I'll be looking over my shoulder, congratulating them. Right. It's like, he's like, I'm going to keep moving forward that five years from now when they're where I am today, I'm going to be even five years farther along. And so, you know, we're, we're never going to get to a point where it's like, I've made it. I'm a great, I'm a great owner. I'm a great, I make, you know, the ultimate perfect decisions. We're fallible as people. And also like, even when we understand really great concepts, we're constantly being, being exposed to different circumstances, different industries, different variables. Uh, I was, I was talking to a friend earlier today who was, just a genius of a strategist in the telecommunications world. And he he moved to a, a, a different type of company uh, in a much different industry. It was not sales at all. Uh, it was a caregiving company. Uh, and for, and so in, in thinking this through, he was like, you know, it felt like I was like an airplane mechanic who now was working on a helicopter, which there are some similarities there, but it's kind of two totally different beasts. And so even when, once we get really experienced and knowledgeable, we're constantly going to be pressured into uh, different circumstances. And so because we know that failure is inescapable, unfortunately, because we know that failure is inescapable, we have to build the resiliency of those around us to be able to continue to be productive even when we make a mistake that hurts them. We have to be able to guard ourselves and our own impacts by creating this effect of resiliency where people are willing to look past our mistakes. They're willing to keep working with us. They're willing to continue to be you know, high morale, uh, productive people in their own businesses. And the way we build that resiliency is through trust. It's the answer to sales, how do I make really great sales? It's the answer to how do I be a great boss? How do I have great relationships? And unfortunately, you know, I think I'm realizing that some of the greatest salespeople, they totally abuse this concept because they take all of the elements of trust without actually developing trust with someone. And it's someone who is really great. They're a great sales rep in the short term. They're horrible long term. They don't develop meaningful relationships in the long term. So rather than building that tribe of a thousand screaming fans, every year they're hitting the, it's, it's like hitting the reset button and trying to find even more clients because the ones they found in the first place are moving on to, to, to someone else. And so what I mean by this is a lot of sales reps will, they'll, they'll try to create this sort of shallow trust or these elements of trust without actually legitimately trying to serve the customer. And so these are 
These are uh, sales reps who will, instead of talking about building trust or being authentic, they'll say, you know, tell a story about, you know, tell your customer a story that makes them feel like you've been in their shoes, that makes them feel like you're empathizing with them. And so what happens is we take this concept of, of trust where, you know, I have 30 minutes with this person. How do I get them to trust me? You have someone who, instead of taking that concept and really understanding it, they instead they break it down into like these little widgets or these really shallow strategies to convince the person to buy from them. And, you know, not that there shouldn't be any sales strategies or anything like that. It's, it's, I think the best salespeople long-term are people who they understand. I'm not, I'm not applying a strategy. I'm trying to let you know that I'm the real deal, that you can trust me and that I want to serve you. You know, it's, it's well, I saw this on LinkedIn the other day of this person who she is a mega millionaire and she's made her fortune on something she calls authentic selling. And it's something that I realized that I've done for my own life. I just didn't know there was like an actual title for this, but it's how I approach sales for my own self. And so all this to say, if we were going to just bundle this down, um, build trust with people and build and be someone who's, who's worthy of trust, you know, and, and I think. I think authenticity has a lot to do with this. I did a podcast episode uh, several months ago that talked about, you know, authenticity can be your competitive, your competitive edge or your competitive advantage. Uh, I had people who've worked with me and for me before who've said things like, Blake, you're really genuine. And that was kind of a weird, you know, it was kind of a weird compliment because I was like, I don't really know what I do with that. I don't really know what that says about my ability. And what I realized they were communicating at the time was, I trust you. And I think about, you know, when you think about um, working with people, if trust is like a rubber band, you know, I, I think when the trust factor is really there, it gives a lot of breathing room and a lot of the stretch factor for you to be, to be able to make those mistakes and to work with people or for people to, you know, I always loved the boss who I didn't understand sometimes where he was taking the company, but because I trusted him, I didn't have to ask 10 million questions because I knew he wanted what's best for me. Or even I had a boss one time who was so uh, harsh with me and giving me direct feedback but because I trusted him, I knew it was coming from a place of, I want to see Blake flourish and be successful. Just some food for thought today. And like I said, you know, I feel like I've only scratched the surface of this. I think the take and go from this is wherever you are in your position, leader, boss, sales, you know, maybe, and maybe you're, you're just, you're just the friend. <laughs> maybe you're just working in the company and you're just trying to grow in people's perceptions of you. You're just trying to grow in your influence within the company. All of it starts with trust. And maybe at some point I need to talk about very literally, how do you build trust with people? Uh, a couple of quick takeaways for that. I think being authentic. And then I think just, just putting yourself, uh, putting your own needs and desires and wants behind someone else's. Be someone who's legitimately trustworthy and you will see elements of your life totally flourish and develop. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'll catch you later.